God's good word that we'll take a little bit to consider is from Acts chapter 13. If you want to follow along, you got this white and blue Bible there in your rows. Everybody's got a different one probably in your rows, but this the Acts chapter 13. And the white and blue is on page 894. We've been walking with the early first Christians right through this book of Acts, seeing how they become God's people, the people of faith. Today we want to see the Apostle Paul start this new congregation. But before we get into that, this week my wife and I, we were reading and talking and and we saw this quote, being alone is better than being with bad company. Being alone is better than being with bad company. And, and, And I would guess just already from the nods of the heads that most of you agree with that, right? Yes, I, I think so. Uh, and and I, I think we all naturally like agree with that because that's sort of the, the spirit of our time. The ironic part was that right after reading that quote, I, I sat down and I was talking with somebody and they were telling me about their, their love to spend their time with a few good close friends, but how they had been burned with so many other friendships and so many other peoples in life they felt peoples, people, so many other people in life, they felt hurt, uh, and they, they really had no interest then in making other new, new friendships anymore. Uh, and I, th- I think you can, I, one of the places where I've seen this really show up in, in life and in our culture is in our Supreme Court justices. I don't know if you've ever heard these comments come out of the inside of the Supreme Court, but uh, if you read through enough of the background of it, uh, you'll hear that the, the, the conservative and the liberal judges, as they're so-called, I don't know if that's a good name, but that's what they're called, right, are, have often been in history very good friends. Um, such good friends that they'll, you know, they'll go golfing together, they go trap shooting together, they go and stay at each other's ranches. Despite the fact that they vehemently disagree on philosophy and, and, and judicial law, uh, they still have been very good friends. And yet I was just reading the other day how, I think it was Antonin Scalia, but one of the other judges said, you know, that has all changed in the last five years or so. It's just not so much the case anymore. Now, Maybe, maybe he's wrong, right? Maybe we're, I'm misreading it or something like that. But I think that is just one example of, of how we as a, a culture of people have really bought into the fact that we'd rather be alone than, than be with, with bad company. And I have, think today the question that we just have to ask ourselves as, as a Christian is, is this what we should do? Is, is this how we should think? Is this how we should believe? Because we're with the Apostle Paul, we're walking with him, we're watching him start these congregations, we're watching him go through all of the ancient Mediterranean world and start these congregations. And you're going to see today what happens in Pisidian Antioch, which is just a small city in Turkey. Just a small city in Turkey. And, and yet it shows all kinds of conflict, all kinds of tension within it. Do you spend time with people that you don't get along with and you don't like? Do you less let the people that you, you don't like, um, do you encourage them to, to hang out with you? How do you handle all of this bad company? Let's take a look then at Acts chapter 13 and, and see what happens. Now, the first thing that we see as, as churches, as groups are going to start getting formed, and this comes out very nicely for us in Acts 13, uh, is that people will 
will, as they go out with the message, they will share it and then gather. There's the sharing and there's a gathering, and there's a sharing and a gathering. There's a really good rhythm of that. So, for example, we see this in verse 14, the end of it. On the Sabbath, they, that is Paul, he entered into the synagogue and he sat down, and after reading from the law and the prophets and the the leaders of the synagogue, sent word to them saying, brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. And so then standing up, Paul motioned with his hand, and he started speaking. And then if you go on further in the section, to the end of the section, it it even says, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. So this is the rhythm, right? This is the rhythm that we want to see. There's the sharing, and there's the gathering. There's the sharing, and there's the gathering. And this is baked into, you know, who you and I are. If you have some news to share, you're going to go want to want to go out and, and share it. But then there's also going to be always a group of people who, who want to hear it. There's the sharing and there's, there's the gathering. You know, kind of a little, bit like, a little bit like, of course, when you've got all little kids and they come in one day and they say, Mommy, Mommy, look at this beautiful flower that I found for you. And it's, you know, it's a little, little dandelion or something like that. But then, then everybody puts it in the cup on the table and we all say, Oh, isn't it so nice? And look at how nice everybody was to Mommy. Now, obviously that's, that's silly, right? But it, it is ironic, isn't it? How Whether or not we are, are 15 or we're 2 or we're 70, if somebody comes in and they've got some news to share, not only are they excited to share the news, but people always respond and they're interested to hear the news. You know, gossip is as is, is much of a thing in your 20s as it is in your 70s, isn't it? Everybody loves to hear the news. And you know, one of the things that has been a very... Uh, almost humorous, but a very plain evidence of this in the last hundred years um, has not been so much in churches and in the religious groups, but it's actually been in non-religious groups. I don't know if you've noticed in, in your life, um, but I've, I've noticed it a lot in, in, in mine, that there's a, if somebody is not into religion, let's say they're an irreligious person, I've had quite a few people, as irreligious people, be very committed to explaining to me why I should be irreligious. Right? They're like, you're just wrong. Now, and I, I, you know, at first, when that happened, right, for the first like five years, people are doing that to me all the time, and I'm thinking, why are you so committed to convincing me that I'm wrong? I get why I, as a Christian, am committed to convincing you that you should be a Christian. Right? Because I see, okay, you've got the, the, the forgiveness of sins, you've got the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you know, you've got eternal life in heaven. Like, okay, there's good benefits out of believing that Jesus died and rose for you. But what are the benefits that I get out of believing that none of that's true? Why should, right? So why are you so committed to convincing me? But then a, a, after a while, right, after some years of this, and I'm sure, you know, you've wrestled through it too, and you realize people are just if they feel like they have news to share, they're committed to sharing it, and other people will, will want to hear it. They will want to gather, as we see, they gathered to hear this word, they will want to gather. There are always going to be people who, this is baked into who we are. This is not just about the word of the Lord, right? but people, there's the sharing and there's the gathering. There's the sharing and the gathering. That's, that's part of, of us. And you can see then how much that speaks to this this desire, right, and we, really makes us think about, is being alone the best thing? Because if you've got a, a message, if you've got something that's really stuck into you, then you have to be with some other people. 
If you're not with other people, then do you really have something that's a message that's been stuck into you? But it's pretty obvious, not pretty obvious, but it's obvious when you look at this section, what really keeps people from being with other people. It, it, it becomes easy to see what that bad company is. And we can't help but see as we look through this section how tough of a time Paul and his people had it when they, they shared. When the congregation was dismissed, of course, there were lots of people that were excited. But on the next Sunday, the Jews, it says they came back, they saw the crowds. If you can jump ahead to verse 45 with me, just verse 45, it says, when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. And they began to contradict what Paul was saying, and they heaped abuse on him. They heaped abuse on him. And in fact, if we, we jump to the end of the section, it would even tell us in verse 50 that the God-fearing women and the, uh, the leaders of the city, they were incited to, to drive Paul out. So, you know, you think, did, did Paul want to stay there anymore and keep sharing this message with these people? No, I mean, absolutely, absolutely not, right? He experienced incredible conflict and resistance to that message. I don't, know, I don't know about you, right? when I read this section and what really strikes me is, who are the people who resisted Paul's message? Who opposed it? It, it, wasn't, it wasn't the irreligious, the pagan people, the outsiders, was it? It wasn't the Gentiles. It was the religious people, wasn't it? It was, it was the people who knew the word from their childhood. It was the Jews. They were the ones who were opposed to the word. And yet Paul was, was committed to spending time with them in their bad company. They were, they were not just a little bit of unhappy people. He points out that they were jealous, that they, they went so far as to contradict Paul, and they, they heaped abuse on Paul. They, these people wouldn't have just gotten, you know, kind of disciplined in our schools for bullying. I mean, they, they, they would have been called out in the public sphere. They would have been made fun of or at least become, you know, you could have a flash mob on Twitter with these people. This was, they were making a big stink out of stuff. And yet they were the people that not only Paul wanted to gather together, they were the people Paul said, you more than anybody need to hear this message. You need to, to take this message to heart and, and you need to gather with these Gentiles. And, and I don't know about you, but it makes me really think, I mean, am I maybe the bad company? When's, when's the last time you and I didn't want to hear something that God had to say? When's the last time that, that somebody came to you with a message, perhaps even a, a word from God, that, that you really did not like? To this day, I've, I've really had a, a struggle with uh, a certain leader who, who talked to me. And I had admitted to him that I was kind of afraid of God at the time. I was going through a tough season. But he, he really said, you know, I think, I think I'd be a lot better off and my, my family would be better off if you weren't in our lives. Whew, right? That really hurt. And it still hurts. But he was probably right. Because he wasn't, he wasn't mean about it. He wasn't 
crushing me about it. He was just pointing out that I had not done a good job receiving this word from the Lord, receiving God's word and letting it work in my life. I did not have that spirit of love. I was not eager at that time to hear God's word, to let it take heart in my life, to be filled with joy about it, and to respond well. I wasn't like these Gentiles, right, who, who were coming and pursuing after Paul and were so excited to hear that, that word of life. I was dangerously close to these, these Jews who said, I didn't even consider myself worthy of eternal life. I was afraid of God. And, you know, have you perhaps, have I perhaps, have we grown a little bit complacent and thought we're much better company than we actually are? Maybe we really are the, the bad company? How do you and I become that good company again? The Apostle Paul tells it to us. He tells us at the end of this lesson. It's an amazing and beautiful story at the end here. He says, the Gentiles heard this good news. They were glad. They honored the word of the Lord and all the people who were appointed for eternal life believed. It's right in that one sentence, they appointed for eternal life. And I want you to, to hear that sentence. I want you to see that and just see how beautiful that is right there. They were appointed for eternal life. Because that word is, is what army generals would do and army leaders would do. They would take their men and they'd say, okay, you're the, you know, you're the master sergeant, you're the general, you're going to be the sergeant, and we're all going to stand in a row here, and here are all the privates, you line up there. Right? Now, I don't know if you've ever played soldiers in your house, but here's how playing soldiers in my house goes. Right? We've got this kit of, of Star Wars characters. That's our favorite ones because they're squishy and you can crush them. They don't hurt anybody, right? So they're like these little figurines like this. We got Yoda and Bubba Fett and uh, R2-D2 and C-3PO, and we line them up all against each other. And we, we smash them, right? We just smash them into each other. Now, the one thing about smashing all of our Star Wars figures together that you have to know is, is every time we play, do you think we can find all the figurines? No, absolutely not, right? Most of them are like stuffed under the couch or something like that. You haven't seen them in six months. But can we start playing without finding them? Absolutely not, right? You've got to find them all before you can start. Otherwise, it's just not the right game. So we always got to spend an hour, you know, tearing the whole house apart, trying to find R2-D2 stuffed in the, the corner of the couch. Do you see that this is what God is, is pointing out to us? God doesn't say here that he selected some people for eternal life. He says he appointed them for eternal life. There were some people who were glad. They honored God's word. They heard that word, and God looked at them and said, I'm going to put you in line. I'm going to put you into my people. I'm going to put you into my church, and I'm not going to leave any of you out. The ones of you who want to hear this word, you're getting in there whether you want it or not, whether you like it or not right away. I'm going to put you into my people, and I'm going to form you, and I'm going to shape you, and you may not love it right away, but you hear this word, you listen to it, and I will give you this eternal life. And if you have ever had a time in your life where you didn't really want to be forgiven, you didn't want to have the message of Jesus Christ work in you, you didn't want to have the gospel take root in your life, right? But you kind of begrudgingly said, oh, I better hear it. I better listen to it because it's what mom wants to do or it's what dad wants me to do or it's what my uncles want me to do or, you know, it's what some family member says I, I really better be doing. It's what my pastor has told me. I have to get to church and do it. And then all of a sudden, you walk away months later and you say, holy cow, 
Jesus really does love me. He really did die for my sins. Heaven really is my home. You know exactly what Paul is saying here. He's saying, hear the word, and I'm going to plug you into the spot. I'm going to stick you into my church. I'm going to point you for life. You are my people of faith. Have you been part of that? It's awesome. I've been seeing it lately. Let's be that people of faith, because I've been seeing that. I, I was watching, I was talking with a, a parent recently about their kid who was coming to the basic doctrine class that I teach them. They're trying to learn about the basic teachings of Jesus. And, you know, this kid, like all teenage boys, is like giving his mom a hard time. Do I have to go, mom? I don't really want to go. I, I don't want to. It's just so awful. I, I can't stand coming, you know, blah, blah, blah. But that's not true, because then she says, every time when he comes home, he says, it was good. I'm glad I went. And it was good for me, and it's changing me. And he comes in, and he tells me, yeah, you know, pastor, I don't really want to come, but, but I love Jesus more than I used to. I do, and I understand God's word more than I used to. And I say, I'm glad that faith is coming up in you. God is appointing him for life. God is making him part of the people of faith. And friends, God will make you part of that people too. Honor the word of the Lord, hear that word of the Lord, and he will make you part of that people of faith. And I have to tell you, you know, I've told you, I spend in churches all around the world, all kinds of places, but there is no place better and more beautiful than right here. Right here where God appoints people into his people. And you and I, we become part of that people of faith. Let me pray that that blessing would be yours too. That you and I would be part of God's people of faith. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming down and becoming that, that general, that ruler over the army. Thank you for conquering sin and death so you can put us into your people. And yeah, sometimes we don't want to. We, we are resistant. We want to be bitter or we want to hold grudges. We want to stay away from your congregation. We might be that bad company, but we pray that you would, would change us, Jesus. You would let us see our sin, show us our sin, and put us into your people, that we might receive eternal life and forgiveness and all the other good things that you want to give to us. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.